Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Movement PT Coffee Cast. My name is Dalton, and with me, as always, is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? Doing not too bad, man. I'm just waiting for my uh, shipment of coffee to come in, so that should be sometime today, so I'm you know, just kind of anxiously awaiting. That's a good day, man. It will be. <laughs> what, uh, are you running a little bit low? Oh, I'm so low. I have like a little bit of old coffee and it, you know, it, it gets me coffee, but it's not exactly great. Have you ever had a time where like you've run out of coffee completely in your house? I have had that happen. Well, actually that's a lie because I have some of our coffee in a bag and that's always there, but we're not opening that one. It's pretty old too. So <laughs> It's it's like the break glass in case of emergency coffee bag. Yeah, exactly. It's more of a memento, if anything, though. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, man, what's what's good? I mean, it's been a crazy time. So, like, just curious to hear, like, anything new in your life, man? Any new exciting skills you've been practicing? Skills I've been practicing. Well, you know, we got juggling. I got no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the biggest thing that's changed is just like not having uh, access to copious amounts of weights for powerlifting. So I've been switching gears with training to try to keep myself busy and active. So been running a little bit more, been doing a little more like circuit-based training and stuff. So it's good to explore, you know, I'll be happy when I can get back uh, in the gym, but you know, at least there's some things to keep me kind of uh, grounded and sane and active. Uh, it's definitely a challenging time. How about you? Yeah, man, things have been good. I, I wouldn't say I have in, took an endeavor into a particular skill, but I have, uh, I should, man. I should pick a skill and try to, maybe I'll learn how to play uh, the piccolo or something. um but uh yeah man in terms of exercise it's been it's been different for me too it's it's been a bit of a a transition um away from the gym which i has been harder than i thought it was going to be uh i've definitely been uh running a bit more and um i think i'm going to dive into it a little bit more seriously uh we we have a podcast episode coming out with uh uh, Chris, who's a who's a run coach and a, and a physiotherapist, and I've actually started to do some programming with him. So he's going to kind of guide me along the way. So it's cool. It's good to have, I think, someone controlling your program or helping guide you in this this time. It just makes you be more accountable and stick to stick to those things. So that's uh, that's my my future plans in terms of fitness. Nice. That's awesome, man. That you got to coach him. I'm curious to hear how uh, that's going. And obviously we talked to him. So I know he's, uh, you know, he, he knows his stuff and that's uh, I think it's, it's important to realize like you're never too good to have a coach, you know, like I, I mean, we're both licensed physiotherapists and I had uh, 
a coach for powerlifting for like a year, you know, um, you're, you're getting this coach. There's no problem with that just because you would be considered maybe like an expert. Uh, you know, I think there's always value to having somebody kind of like guiding you. Yeah, for sure. And I've always looked at it as a way, like, especially if you're going to go into a new skill, like it's always good to have someone who has a deep understanding of, of that particular skill to kind of guide you. Um, and even if you're not, even if you're like a little bit versed in the the field, it's always good to like get that, that it's like a learning experience for me. So I'm, I'm obviously hopefully going to physically improve my, my fitness and my running, but at the same time, learn a little bit about how, you go about maybe programming running for a novice runner or a new runner such as myself. So it'll be cool. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Sweet man. Let's um, dive into today's episode. So we're going to do a little bit of a different uh, episode today. So as you guys know, we've partnered with physio network, which is an online platform um, that puts out monthly research reviews. Uh, they put out 12 articles that they review and basically what we're going to do today is we're going to take one of those articles and give you a little snippet of it. We're not going to dive into the nitty gritty of it. We'll, we'll tell you about the purpose and, and some of the results of the study. And then me and Will are going to comment on it um, with some questions and some thoughts that could be hopefully clinically relevant for you guys, um, the listeners. So for the first, oh, sorry, for the article, the title is To Flex or Not To Flex. Is there a relationship between lumbar spine flexion during lifting and low back pain? It was a systematic review with a meta-analysis. And this was reviewed by Dr. Sarah Hag, who is one of the um, reviewers for Physio Network. So essentially the purpose of this review was to evaluate whether lumbar spine flexion during lifting is a risk factor for low back pain, or is it a differentiator of people with and without low back pain? And I'm going to let Will give you a little bit of the results that they found from the study. All right. Are you ready for the results, Dalton? Bring them in, baby. <laughs> drum roll, drum roll. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, uh, so basically the review found that there was low quality evidence of no longitudinal relationship between greater lumbar spine flexion during lifting and low back pain or on, onset or persistence. So essentially, you know, they, there didn't appear to be a relationship between whether someone lifted with a rounded back or a flexed back uh, and future pain. Yeah. And essentially, obviously with any, any study, there's going to be some limitations. So just to note, like some of the limitations for this study, um, there are only 12 studies that met the inclusion criteria. So overall lower quality with, with a high risk, um, of bias and also the study was completed in a laboratory setting. So obviously these aren't perfect, but it does give us some information. And, and the goal here with like me and Will is to maybe comment on this, what this looks like clinically or, or how we would even approach this with someone that's experiencing maybe some back pain and, and has to return to work. Um, but Will, like after, I mean, you read this review and then um, after kind of going through it, were you surprised by like the results of the study? Um, I wasn't, I was just wondering if you, if you wouldn't mind if I commented on uh, the limitations a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Cause I think like something to just like, before we get into it a little bit, I think, you know, something that obviously stands out is like, 
the in the studies that were included were like overall low quality, right? High risk of bias. And I think so for some people that might like raise a red flag, right? As to like the applicability of the study. But you know, something to think about is like we we tend to assume that telling people to lift with a straight back is the right way to prevent pain. Right. And so we have to be careful that, you know, assuming that uh, without evidence to support it. So even if the results are low quality, like this is what we have. So there's no reason for us to go with that, like conventional wisdom, you know, until we're proven otherwise. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's a really good point uh, to make for sure. No, I like that you brought that up. Well, so just to swing back, uh, I, like I wasn't that surprised, uh, by the study. I think probably it just fuels our bias a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Right? But I mean, like, I think we already had the mindset before going into reading this paper where we didn't feel like one particular movement, uh, was to be demonized, you know, just because we are aware that although a movement is a load, it's no different than any other movement. Uh, you know, it's not special in any way. So that's kind of how I felt. I just felt like, you know, on its own, I didn't think even before this, that flexion as a movement was inherently bad. Right. And, and same with me. And, um, I think you made a really good point about that, that whole limitation thing. Um, and with regards to like, there's no evidence to support that we should be saying like lifting with a straight back is going to prevent you from having injury. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's kind of how we, we go about providing like thoughts or education around something like this. The problem becomes, I think, why this is brought up and they make a good point. I think they touch on it in, um, in the clinical implications is like, there's a lot of fear that gets distilled around this movement when you are constantly harping on the fact that like, you shouldn't be rounding your back at all when you're lifting. You need to be perfectly straight in this brace position while you lift this box or this, this heavy object. Um, and that just starts having people like get fearful of moving when they shouldn't be afraid to move. We're meant to move. We're meant to have a lot of different um, positions and options in our daily like movement literacy. But I also think it's interesting because this doesn't really touch necessarily a lot on like loads. And I think that's a more of an important thing to think about when it comes to like lifting stuff from the floor than maybe necessarily this ideal position. Yeah. And like, that totally, that totally makes sense what you just said there. Like, I think that's, that's the danger of like having that, uh, viewpoint, you know, like the viewpoint that the paper is suggesting of like, uh, you know, it's just the movement itself because then what happens when somebody gets injured with, let's say a common movement, like a deadlift, uh, their back hurts after. And if the coach and the person doing the lift, uh, have that opinion, then they're going to zero in on, oh, well, it must've been just because you flexed your back. Right. But you know, that's ignoring all these other factors that could have contributed, contributed to like 
that injury occurring. You know, you're ignoring the past weeks of training. You're ignoring what's happening in that person's life right then. Even the context that that deadlift was occurring in, you know, like there's so many other factors that could contribute. And so I think if you just get too narrow focused, you, you get in the danger of only paying attention to one thing that could be one factor, but is not the whole picture. You're missing the whole picture. Yeah. And I really, that's why I like that idea of like preparedness and being like, it's more, is that person prepared to take on that, that load or that volume or whatever it may be, because that's oftentimes the problem. It's not necessarily the position. And and you think about it in the context of work, it's oftentimes, you know, let's just say it's someone that's in a, a labor intensive job. They're either they've been doing it all day long and then they go and they do one more lift. And that was the one that kind of put them over that threshold, or maybe they're, they go on and they lift something that they're, they shouldn't really have been lifting in terms of weight because it, their body isn't ready to take on that load. It's often when you see like, you know, those things lead to injury and same thing in the, in the context of lifting, you know, it's, it's, it's not just, it's not the deadlift. It's just the fact maybe like that week of training was a lot of volume. There's a lot of stress on the body. They're not getting good sleep. And then they go and they, they're, they're pulling a deadlift at, you know, maybe 80% or 90% of their, of their max. And, and that was kind of the, the threshold. And, and that's what lead, led to like the back injury, not necessarily the fact that their back was a little bit rounded when they're pulling the bar from the floor or lifting up that box from the ground. Yeah, totally. I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, like I, obviously you're like, you're a coach right now. Um, and both of us are physios. So I'm sure, you know, we both cue people through deadlifts. We teach people through deadlifting. Um, so something I'm curious to hear from you is like, would you ever use like, or, or tell someone to like lift with a rounded back on purpose? Or how would you kind of cue them? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, yeah, lift with a rounded back all the time. <laughs> um, no, I definitely, so I definitely wouldn't cue someone to lift with a rounded back specifically because I just think from an, from an optimal positioning standpoint with regards to like developing power and being strong through the movement, you would want to try to be quote unquote as like neutral as you, you can. Um, but it all depends, right? Like it's a classic answer. It all depends. Um, if it's a new lifter, let's just say it's a new lifter. It's someone who's just learning the deadlift. Like I'm not going to be picky with like their position. Like I'm going to teach them the the basics. I'm going to show them in a, a, in a, Whoa, I cannot talk right there. I'm going to show them an example. <laughs> show them an example of what the deadlift looks like, um, and then I'm going to just let them explore it a little bit. And and oftentimes people pick it up pretty quickly. And if if they are lifting and they have a little bit of round in their back, I'm probably not going to say something to them right away. One, they're probably not lifting at loads that are that are reaching their threshold. Like we're often starting very, very light, um, something that's very manageable. So it's not like they're going to have take on too much. And it's also just a new movement and like anything that's new, it's going to take some time to, to explore. 
now if I'm working with someone that's been training for, for some time, they're working, you know, at some higher, higher loads, like let's say it's, you know, towards more towards like their, their max levels or a high, high percentage. Again, I'm not going to demonize the fact that their back rounds a little bit because I think that happens now if they're, they're like super hunched back over and like it looks really 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 bad it's probably really 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 bad in the sense of like we don't want you lifting weight like that because it's not optimal for you to produce the result that you want not necessarily in fear that it's going to result in pain because we don't really know if it is like potentially like we said it's one factor that plays into it so i probably wouldn't over exaggerate like if there was a bad scenario yes i'd correct but if there's a little bit I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't directly address it. It could be as simple as like giving them a cue or two to like, to not necessarily just say like straighten your back, but like maybe get them to tighten up or, you know, put themselves in just a different position when they're lifting. Yeah. I think there's a few uh, good things that you pointed out there. Like the first thing was that, you know, variability is important for learning. You know, like when you're starting learning a movement, you want variability because that's how you understand um, and develop your radar for your movement. If you never experience what it's like to be in like uh, different positions, then how are you going to know what's the right way for you to move? You know, like how are you going to develop that skill? It's a lot of learning involved. It's a lot of skill. Uh, And you can't expect somebody to be able to perform that perfectly right from the get go. Uh, so that's like the number one thing you pointed out was like that variability when you're teaching somebody something at the start is important for them to learn that movement and that skill. Also just the fact that they're probably going to be at light loads to begin with. Uh, and so, you know, there's no need to necessarily be super nervous that something's going to go beyond their capacity at that point. The, uh, the second thing you kind of pointed out was that, you know, like deadlifting, just efficient movement wise, you probably want to be preventing motion from occurring, you know? So if you're cueing somebody to get tight, you know, then that's totally reasonable because you're trying to break that movement. Now we know that some flexion is going to be occurring with a deadlift this at a high load, some flexion will be occurring. And so we probably don't need to program Jefferson curls necessarily because you know that there is some flexion occurring and they're going to develop some preparedness for it. You know, everybody might move through a variable amount. Um, So I think those are like lots of uh, good points there. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes to that, like the person that we like the latter version of the person that's training, it's like, what does their program look like too? Like, are they, are they gradually building up? Like, are they following a progressive overload type training? You know, is this, is this normal for them? Like they probably have the tolerance to withstand the loads that they're working at. And they've probably been deadlifting with a slight round or flexion in their back the whole time they've been on this program potentially. Right. So I think it's more, again, comes back to that preparedness for the movement, for the load versus the actual position. Totally. Um, something I want to talk about to kind of make it maybe a bit applicable away from the uh, the lifting setting. 
something that we see, you know, in clinic often is, is someone who has injured their back on at work, picking something up. Um, oftentimes this, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that go into that, that scenario because now they're, they're off work. They're not making money. They're painful. They're probably a bit fearful of going back to that job. That's we're going to require them to have to lift again. So I think there's a lot there. What are some maybe strategies or thoughts that you try to give to that type of person to get them back to working? Well, I think in that situation, like I want the person to understand that one, just because they got hurt with that movement doesn't mean the movement is bad for them. It just means they are not tolerating that stress at that time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like I'll use, I use a lot of analogies and stuff. Um, I don't think there's anything, any one best way. There's tons of them out there, you know, but I try to help someone understand that concept and the concept of like graded exposure to stress, you know? And so early on in like, a treatment if I find like somebody is sensitive to flexing their back I might try to limit how much they're flexing their back or do exercises that involve like a very small amount of that just to calm things down that's kind of the general approach and that's going to look different for everybody you know like if it's like a person who's pretty untrained you know that might look like something like just a seated kind of hip hinge, you know, like something that's not much load at all versus like if there's somebody who's, you know, deadlifting 500 pounds, you know, that might look more like a rack pull or something, you know, like just the idea is you're just limiting the amount of flexion that's occurring uh, to try to desensitize the area. And then gradually build up back to where they were before. Yeah, no, that's Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, what What do you do with the question where it's where it's? Oh, I've been told not to to bend my back. I got to be completely straight. Am I straight? Am I straight when I'm lifting? Does it look okay? Like, how do you navigate someone that's very hyper focused with regards to that positioning? Um, I don't think there's a super easy way to go about that. Uh, that can be really challenging. I might, I might explore that a little bit more, you know, and just see why, why they think that, you know, and why they're like going down that route. Um, I think one thing you can try to do is like explore different, really light load movements like, uh, cat cows, um, kind of four point rocking, uh, knee to chest, even just things where there's a slight amount of flexion occurring and try to violate their expectations with that in terms of like, Hey, I'm just curious if you wanted to hear, you know, what's happening during this movement client says, yes, cause you've developed a lot of rapport <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, you know, I just, you know, you were mentioning that with, uh, some of the movements you were worried about your back bending, this movement also involves that kind of thing. And you actually had very little pain. You're fine with it. So, 
just goes to show you, you know, maybe it's not the movement itself, but just that you're not quite tolerating it at high loads right now. You know, like I think the delivery of that can take potentially multiple sessions or it could be super quick. It just depends. You've got to read the person and I guess see, you know, how emotional they are about that belief. You know, yeah. like if somebody's just kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm just curious. Like, I'm just wondering, like you could probably hit them with it right then. But it, like, there are some people that are quite fearful and probably not going to, uh, I'm probably not going to go hot with like explaining that right then. I might just modify it for them. Yeah, no, it's definitely a tricky situ- situation to navigate and, I think you brought up a lot of really good points with like, you know, asking for permission to talk about it, picking up on cues like social cues or, you know, how how ingrained is that belief to them? Cause yes, you don't want to go blow it up. Um, I think like oftentimes when I see it being very like effect, like very much affecting the person's life is when they're worried about like bending down to pick up, like their shoe or they're they're worried about bending down to pick up something that that is no load whatsoever and they're worried about being in this position of neutral and perfect spine and it's it's a hard thing because you want people to understand that their body has so much capabilities and so much freedom of movement that they shouldn't be afraid to do that and it is definitely something that that is challenging to, to navigate. And I think going about it from, you know, potentially the, the route of, again, giving them, giving them options to move movement options. Their body has a lot of variability is a great way to try to approach it. Um, but again, maybe they're not ready. There's only, there's going to be certain times when, you know, you can do it and you can't do it. So. Yeah. And like, we definitely don't have it. Perfect. You know, I, and I think that's, that's okay. Like none, none of us are going to know how to like navigate those conversations perfectly all the time. You know, like I would say many times I'll try, I'll start and I'll sense that this isn't, this isn't the time, you know, or, or I'm not getting it across to them well right now, you know, um, and, and you have to kind of pivot and try something else or, or maybe just change the uh, conversation for them, you know, and take it somewhere else. Maybe they're not ready. Like there's lots of things to consider. And I don't think that it's, it's not like we're experts on doing that. These are just some of our like thoughts and ways that we have gone about that in the past. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it kind of just like brings back to the original thought of, you know, there's more factors that are contributing to this person's pain than just the position, right? Just like there's more factors that are going to go into how you rehab this person than one exercise or one position. So, yeah, totally. And that's, that's what this study shows us, you know, is we just, we have to think about more things, you know, it, it, it's not like this 
study doesn't negate any approach, you know, like for example, if like you're using like uh, core activation drills to help somebody uh, in the context of like their back hurting with flexion, that's totally reasonable approach to try, right? It's just trying to think about, you know, like why this might be helping them and using, I think the research to inform how you describe the effect and the, you know, the language you might use. Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. Totally. Um, yeah, let's wrap it up there. I think that was a, that was a good little, uh, session there. I think, um, people can take some value away from that. So guys, let us know, uh, your thoughts on like this kind of, this type of podcast. We're kind of experimenting a little bit. Um, is it something that you guys like something you want more of? Uh, we, we want to try to give you guys the best content possible. I think it's cool to, to pick a research article or two or a blog post from physio network and talk about it because they have a lot of good thoughts. Um, and it's always nice to see like newer, evidence you know being presented and talked about um so that we can directly have an impact on clinical practice with what the research is saying so um if you guys want to learn more about physio network you can click the link in our bio um on instagram or you can check out the show notes on this podcast that'll take you to physio network if you guys want to use that link you'll get a seven day free trial um, by using it We'd hope you guys do that. If you do, let us know if you if you like Physio Network. Tag us in like your pictures of you reading some of the articles um, or the or the reviews. And then if there's one that you guys want us to talk about on the podcast, let us know. We'd love to do it. Other than that, you guys can continue to support us by following us on Instagram at the MVMTPTs, as well as heading over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere that you consume your podcast. Give us a subscription, drop us a review, and share one episode with someone else if you've ever taken value away from our episodes. That is all we got for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed. We'll talk soon. Peace.